0: How are we doing? Fantastic. Thank you very much, Dave. Can I give that to you as well? Fantastic. Well, uh, you might be wondering why am I wearing a helmet? Some of you will remember this. My daughters, back when they were in high school, I think that's about the time when I heard this expression, I was complaining about something in the kitchen or something like that. And uh, I think my oldest daughter said, dad, life's hard, get a helmet. Yeah. And I was just like, what? First off, where'd you hear that? Because that didn't originate with you. And two, it's kinda like, ouch, right? And um, I'm wearing a helmet this morning because this message is hard and I'm just ready for it. This is, this is kind of my way of saying, okay, if they start throwing stuff, I'm just going to duck, kind of like that. Or um, if, if, I, if I hear or see the, the mm, kind of that, because um, I felt it already. But this, this is definitely a, a wear, wear a helmet kind of message. There's just, um, there's no two ways about it, okay? And so I, I, I say that, I, I hope um, we've locked the doors you can't get out, okay? Um, or I hope no one... Runs out, but but um, be courageous today. Be courageous, all right. Um, It's hard, but but I think it's desperately needed, and I think you'll actually leave today feeling the pain, but you know you're going to be better for it, and I'm going to be better for it as well. Okay, so what I'd like to do is let's get our Bibles open. You got your table of contents. We're going to look at a very familiar passage, but I'm going to look at, at actually uh, several of them this morning. Um, but the one that you're most familiar with is the one I'm going to ask you to turn to. So if you get your Bible open to your table of contents, you'll see an Old Testament, a New Testament, and I want you to find the book of Matthew, which is the first book of the New Testament, and I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to get there together. But I want to read from another place. We need a couple guardrails this morning. Because I said that this is a hard message, and it is. We need some guardrails to kind of keep us on the road. And I'm going to read from Acts chapter 1, excuse me, Romans chapter 1, verse 8. Romans 1, excuse me, Romans 8, verse 1. See, that's why I got a hard hat on here. This is Paul. Paul. This is a liberating passage of Scripture, and this is one guardrail of the two that we'll need for this morning. Paul says, therefore, no condemnation now exists for those in Christ Jesus. So what we're going to talk about this morning, I think people feel really guilty about what we're going to talk about, and and maybe even ashamed, and you're going to shut down when we start talking about it. And and I want this passage to be that guardrail that, that says, no, I I'm okay here. I, if I'm in Christ, there is no condemnation. I, any guilt that would be coming at me is not from God. It's it's from my adversary. It's it's from me and, and I'm not going to let that happen. So I want to pray that we will not let guilt and shame distract or deflect what we're talking about this morning. Okay? So um, I mean, I'm going to bow to do that as well. So um, will you join me in prayer, please? Uh, God, I pray for your blessing over this message. I pray that you would speak through me as I have nothing at all to say, but you have everything to say. And God, I pray we would absorb it. And then we would leave here today and you would ring us out at home and at work when we play. When we interact with anyone, Lord, you would just ring out the truthfulness of this message in a way that would build us up to be what you've always meant for us to be in the likeness of Christ and for you to get the glory, God. And I pray your blessing on this time of teaching in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so you're at Matthew chapter number 28. I'm going to review. We started a message series last week and it was called Counting the Cost." And Jesus, remember, he, he had these throngs of people following him. He was drawing them from his teaching, uh, from the things that he was doing. He was just unique. And he was attracting a crowd. And, and unlike us, he, he looked at the crowd and, and thought to himself more than likely, I got to thin them out. I, I, I got to let them know that when they're seeking to follow me and, and my invitation for them to follow me, that it has, it has a cost to it. Now, let me be very careful, and, and Jesus was very clear. Salvation is free. The forgiveness of our sins, when we put our faith and trust in Christ and his work on our behalf, that is free. That, that costs you nothing. But then when Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me, for whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And that is just pregnant with cost. That means it costs us to follow him. And, and we don't typically think about that a lot. But, but Jesus, seeing the crowds, wanted them to think about it. And he wants us to think about it. And we looked at the first cost, or one of the costs last week, and it, it was about serving other people. Is that we are conduits, not cul-de-sacs of God's blessing. That he wants us to be serving other people. It's not a suggestion. It's not a, a, a thought. If, hey, if you, if you have time. It, it is, it's a command. And then if you recall, we, we had... Um, People, and we introduced to, the, to you these ideas of these local mission opportunities. And so let me just kind of close the loop real quick here. Uh, and that is, we are going to move forward with all three that you heard. And, and I, I appreciate the survey results. We asked you guys to fill out a survey, and you did. And, and, and it was very helpful for us to decide how to move forward. And so we're going to be moving forward with all three. And the Tacoma Rescue Mission, which is helping the homeless, We're going to move forward with a a mentoring program, and then we're also going to move forward with the um, Bethel Outreach Bus, which is where we go to people who are really down and out, who are disadvantaged, who are struggling. We're going to go to them and help them in different ways, and so you got behind that, and we're excited. We're going to be rolling that stuff out here very soon, so we're working on that. That was the first cost. This morning, we're going to talk about a second cost, and for that, I've got you at Matthew chapter 28. But before I do that, this is so important that you understand, this is a bonus question. How many books are in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament? 66. Exactly right. And I'm going to, I'm not going to save you the time of reading all 66. I would encourage you to read all 66. But let me tell you the overarching story of all 66 books of the Bible is that God sent And God saves. And you go back to Genesis chapter 1. When God created Adam and Eve. And what did he tell them to do? He said, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. And the idea is that they would take this, that that they were image bearers of God. And they would fill the earth with image bearers of God. And that they would go out and become image bearers of God. And and those that they would encounter would become image bearers of God. And God's people kind of, they started to do that in Genesis chapter 1. And then when they got to Genesis chapter 11, They stopped. And they built a tower. You've heard it called the Tower of Babel. They kind of said, we're done following and going out and being sent. We're finished with that. We're going to build a tower and kind of hang out and and kind of get closer to God that way. And what did God do? He judged them and he scrambled their language, which is where we get the table of nations and why we speak different languages. So they could not understand each other. And they had to, again, keep moving out. And then in Genesis chapter 12, God reveals himself to Abraham. And he has now this personal covenant with Abraham and all of his descendants. And he says, you will become a great nation and you will bless all nations. So again, he's sending out God's people. But you know what? They get, they get distracted. And they start finding shiny objects that they really like better than God. And they have aspirations and dreams that really are more about them than they are about God. God. And they, they they get enslaved and they get exiled and it just doesn't work well for them. And so then God sends them prophets. And the prophets begin to call them back, but the people of God don't listen to the prophets. And then Jesus is sent from heaven by God to earth. And he is sent to save because God sends to save. And Jesus comes. And in Luke chapter 19, listen, this is what Jesus says. It says, Luke chapter 19, verse 10. It should be up on the screen. He says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. J- Jesus that's why I'm here. I'm here to seek those who are lost and to save them. And, and his invitation to you and to me, when you were invited to follow him, when, when you came and you were desperate and you were bankrupt and you were disillusioned and you were down and out and, and Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary and heavy burdened and I will give you rest. And you're like, man, that's what I need. And when you accepted that invitation, little did you know maybe, is that you accepted an invitation to follow him, to seek and save the lost. So this overarching story, we, we, we see it all the way, Old Testament, New Testament. And then we come to you and me. Matthew chapter 28. Listen to verses 18 through 20. It says, Then Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. God sends to God for, so God can save. And now, Jesus goes back to be with God, and now the church is once again, the people of God are sent out again to seek the lost, to bring the hope and the truth and the love of Christ to all. And what I want you to notice when Jesus is teaching the disciples, and a lot of times we read this and we think this book is old and, and, and that's for them back in the day. But there I challenge you to read again what he says. He's teaching the disciples In verse 20, and he says, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. Do you know who them is? Who is them? Them is you, and them is me. He is telling the disciples, go out and teach them to teach what I've taught you. And it's repeated. So we, we cannot get out from underneath this. God is using the church, and he's sending the church out. To save through the church. And, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Notice the scope. He says that we're to go to uh, make disciples of all nations, he says. The scope of that. Certainly what, this wasn't restricted to the 12 he's talking to. No, he's talking about because they're going to be repeating and teaching others. And they're going to be that This is a massive mission that God has us on. Are you aware of that? To those of you that are followers, those of you that are not, my hope in prayer is that you will understand what, what this really is all about. And, and maybe you've got some hang-ups and you've got some confusion over Christians that you saw that really seem no different than you. I, I hope this if if at the very least just gives you pause to think, wait a minute, maybe there is something else out there different than what I think Christianity is all about. I asked our leadership earlier in the week, we had a leadership meeting, and I asked them just that day, I said, today, did the thought ever enter your mind that you're on a mission? Or or, or was, was life just really too busy? Were there too many things to do? Were there too many distractions for, for a thought like that, that we're on a mission to ever get in and actually change and redirect and cause to do something differently? And so I ask you, that, I, I just ask you, coming here to the Christ followers, has the thought ever occurred to you that you are on a mission? Has it ever even entered your mind even this morning? Because we are on a mission. God has sent us out. We are the them. And that requires a complete reorientation of how we think and a reprioritization of how we live. And that is hard. Count the cost, Jesus said. If you wanna follow me count the cost because in order for us to live on mission my friends you and i we have to first reorient our lives and our minds and how we think we are bombarded with messages everywhere from all directions that say nothing about the mission it's all about living for here and now and i'm probably as guilty as anybody else in this room, how easily it is to forget the mission and to pick up living for the here and now. But that also requires a reprioritization of our time, of our money, of our relationships. That, that is what, where we need to get back. That is why I walked out here with a hard hat on. Aren't you glad you woke up this morning for this? This is hard stuff to be reminded that we're on a mission to make disciples and to make a disciple, you have to first introduce them to Jesus. And, and that is what I want to look at. I, I want to look at, first off, why? If, if making disciple, it, it begins with, if, if, if it begins with telling people about Jesus, okay, well, why should we tell them? Why should we tell them? There's there's a number of reasons, but I just want to—I want to just pick up what I think is the most important one, and it's commanded. Again, I'm talking to Jesus Christ followers in this room. It's not suggested. It's not a command for those who are. Hear me out, introverts. For the extroverts, it's not for people who are comfortable talking to other people. It's not for the staff. It's not for Kevin alone it's for all of us this is a command for all christ followers to you that ex- accepted the invitation when jesus said come to me this is a command and the one thing we can't do that we're all guilty of is at times we pick and choose the commands we'll, we'll obey it's almost like we negotiate with God. And, and I'm going to be really embarrassed if I describe this because I know what that's like. And none of you, all of you look at me like, I don't get that. I've never done that. It's where you sit there and you know that God wants you to do something. And you start to think about all the things that you're doing that He wants you to do. And you can, God, look that way. Don't look this way. Give me just this one area that I don't have to listen That I can rationalize away or justify away or pretend that it's not even there. And and I, I, in my experience as being a pastor, I would say this is the command that is the least obeyed in the church to tell people about Jesus in a way that I'll describe in a moment. Because I I still, I know some of you are still like going, oh no, I've had my spiritual conversations. Ah." I'm, I'm going to slide through this Sunday. Yeah. I don't need a hard hat. Oh, I think you do. Hang on a minute. I almost sound like that's going to give me great pleasure, isn't it? I don't mean for that to come across that way. <laughs> Guardrail number one, Romans 8.1. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, okay? So if you're feeling any twinge of guilt, or that's not God. Let the truth of God's word pierce that, okay? What is guardrail number two? Hebrews chapter 12 verses five and six. Verse five, and you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or faint when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. There's our guardrails for this morning. We're not to go so far as to feel guilt and shame. If we start going that direction, we bump up into the promise of God in Romans 8.1. But if we also think, hey, it's not that big a deal that that I'm not telling people about Jesus. Man, we got to go careening into Hebrews chapter that we just read in terms of that second garbage that says, wait a minute. God loves you. And as a child... He will discipline you and he will discipline me so that we are formed and fashioned in the likeness of Christ. So it's, in, it's between those two guardrails, my friends, that we have to move forward in understanding the cost of following Jesus, which is to tell people about him. Now, what exactly do we tell them? What do we tell people who are far away from God? What, what, what do we tell them? well let me give you the fancy word for it it's called the gospel and the gospel is the translation of a New Testament word that means good news and what the gospel is and if I were to ask you what is the gospel how would you answer that question because if you don't know what the gospel is and we are commanded to pass on the gospel to people we've got a challenge as a matter of fact, we're going to have a evangelism training class coming up here at the end of this month that I'll reference back when we get to the homework that will help in that. But the gospel is understanding that we are all born with a God complex. It's, it's a sin disease where we want to be in charge. And because of that, the disease that we have, it is terminal. We are going to die, not only physically, but spiritually. And we can do nothing to cure ourselves. We cannot live good enough in a way that will garner from God or earn from God or merit from God the forgiveness for our sins, the cure from our disease. We can't. We are born with a God complex, a terminal disease that God will judge at the end of our lives for all people. Step Two in understanding the gospel is that God sent Jesus from heaven to be our cure, to bring a cure to us in which he lives a perfect life in your place and in my place, and then he dies a substitutionary death to accept the judgment of God for our sins. And then God raises him three days later to say, here is the one and only cure. His work, not yours. Put your faith and trust in his work and I will forgive you of your sins, past, present, and future. And that, my friends, is the gospel minus one thing. Which is why I say, when you have talked and had spiritual conversations, if I were to ask for a show of hands, how many of you had spiritual conversations with people? I imagine a number of you would raise your hand if I asked how many of you have shared the gospel in the way I just described it, I imagine the number of hands would probably come down quite a bit. And then if I were to ask you what is the next and logical thing to follow the gospel and and is, is really a part of the gospel and that is in which you tell the people you're talking to, you must respond. This is not something they can just walk away with and think, well, that's nice for you. If we share the gospel as we have been sent out to do via the Great Commission and we share it in the way that I just explained to you and at at the conclusion of that we look at them and we say, how will you respond? Now you're done. And it's between them and God. And the only response, it's what John the Baptist, the forerunner, for Christ came and he says, repent and believe. It's when Jesus comes, he says, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe. And when Peter and the church moved out in Acts and he had this incredible long sermon, this message that really kind of inaugurated the church, at the end of it, he says, repent and believe. To repent means to change your mind. You are not God. And you need a savior. And change your mind and accept that and then believe that Jesus is your savior and you will be cured of your sin disease. You will be forgiven. And that is what the church has been given and sent out and saying, respond. Uh, The other things that, and we'll talk about this next week, there's things that are called pre-evangelism. The word evangelism actually comes from the Greek word, the same Greek word that we get, gospel, and it means to gospeling. It means to going out and sharing the gospel. And a lot of times we share our testimony, which is wonderful. It's very important, but it is not satisfying the command that God has given the church to go out and proclaim the gospel. Because the testimony is your story. And people can sit back and go, well, that's that's fine for you. That's your story. And typically our testimonies don't come with a response. Hey, respond to my testimony. They might look at you like you're nuts. Spiritual conversations that involve things like apologetics, and those kinds of things are, are, are important but they do not satisfy the command that we are to proclaim the gospel. They're important because they help people warm up to the idea and get their mind around the idea of what the gospel is. When we pray for people, when we do acts of kindness, those are important things. But my friends, they are not proclaiming the gospel as we have been sent out and commanded to do. And we're accountable to God for that. Now stay with me in the, in the guardrails, right? Stay, do not start feeling guilt and shame, okay? But on the other side, I hope you begin to feel what is healthy for a follower of Jesus, and that is godly sorrow. That is realizing, God, I, kn- I know that's what you want. And I know that you've not stopped loving me because I've not done that, and, and that blows me away, God. And, and, and godly sorrow is what Paul says leads to obedience. It leads to change, which is what I've been praying for. And, and you know, you guys think it's hard. I, I've been dealing with this for the last week. At times, I have been honestly just paralyzed with conviction. It, it's almost like I, I, I'm so thankful my posture in praying is I, is I bow and I close my eyes because I don't even want to look up. And, and I got to stay within the guardrails. But I just sense where God is challenging me. But the reality of it is most of us in here don't tell other people about Jesus. And why don't we? What, what gets in the way of that? Well, the first thing is, particularly in this country, and it's comfort. We are comfortable being in our spiritual cocoon, which is here. And we are particularly susceptible to this when we join a church. Particularly if you come out of, you, 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 you're a brand new Christ follower and all these things are new and it's amazing. You're meeting these people and it's just, a, it's fantastic. And, and, and you're, you're getting so much energy from it and, and you just want to get more and more of it. And, and pretty soon it's really easy to insulate yourself in this little cocoon called the Church. And the church's purpose is for you to come in. It's to be equipped. It's to be empowered. It's to be trained. And it's to be unleashed and sent out. But we stay. We linger. And pretty soon all of our relationships and friendships that were once with other people that are not followers of Jesus are now all Christian friends. And we have to fight to intentionally and and we have to take the time to keep and to find these kinds of relationships. When my daughters were playing sports, it was just like a bonanza. My friends, I was talking to every parent in the stands. I was becoming friends with them. I'd ask them out to lunch. I'd be talking to them. I would be sharing the gospel with them. Sometimes I didn't share the gospel. Sometimes it was all pre-evangelism. That's kind of where I feel some really strong conviction. And then they got older. And it became Harder. And I feel in the weight of that, of, of how do I intentionally. And so, so now I, I'm, I'm trying other ways. When I go to the doctor, I, you know, it, it's kind of nice to say to the doctor, thank you for helping me physically. I'm a pastor. How can I help you spiritually? How can I pray for you? I mean, I've been to the doctor's office. I put Marmarine around them, and I know they feel like they're wigged out on this deal. And I'm just praying with them, and I'm just hoping that leads to something. I'm, I'm, I'm just grabbing to try to do these because it's hard. But it takes time and it takes intention. That's why Jesus said, count the cost. So fear can keep us as well. Not just comfort, but fear. And let's be honest. When we talk about sharing the gospel, the good news, like I just shared with you, there's a probability that what's going to come back at us is we might be embarrassed. They might ask us something we don't know. Or they might reject us or ignore us. Or ridicule us. Or we might... Compromise our jobs, or whatever the case might be. And so we're afraid of that. But here's a little bit of a news alert the gospel is offensive to people who do not know God. It is offensive to self tell someone you have a sin disease and you cannot cure yourself. That is offensive. Now how we say it can be offensive too. So please understand how we have these conversations. And we'll, we'll look at this next week. We're going to talk about the how next week. It is very important. The condition of our hearts and how we have these conversations. But Jesus told us to expect this. Expect that it's going to be hard. Expect that you're going to be rejected. Expect that even worse might come from that. But then he said, remember when I invited you, I said, whoever seeks to save his life is going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake is going to find it. Count the cost, my friends. And, and, And don't, don't try to make the gospel more appealing than it is. It's offensive. And when you try to dumb down the hard parts in hopes that they'll accept it. My friends, they will reject it because it looks like a lot of other options whose benefits are vastly superior. Hell does not look real promising. And when we don't talk about that and the, the judgment of God, when we don't talk about the hard parts, we can't compete with all the, all the other things that are going on in the world that they can be choosing but we can be, as Jesus called us to be, salt and light, he said. We're different. And in our differences, we'll come at times. Rejection. May we not fear human judgment more than God's. May we not fear human judgment more than God's. May we fight the fear of human judgment with our fear of God's fear, of having fear in God. And by that I mean reverence and and I mean awe. And I mean God who is all-knowing, all-powerful and ever-present. May we fear not pleasing him more than we fear not pleasing our peers and mere mortals. Last thing I'll say about fear. Aren't you glad the person who told you about Jesus was not afraid? Aren't you glad about that? I think of the guys in the dorm room that told me that in college. I am so thankful for them that they were not afraid. We don't talk to people about Jesus because we have amnesia. We have forgotten how desperate we were before we were saved by Christ. And it's real easy for that to happen, right? Life happens and there's a lot of responsibilities. There are a lot of challenging seasons. There's, there's disappointment in life and those kinds of things. And what they can do is they can kind of pull our attention, our focus away from what Jesus has done for us. And all of a sudden we're, we're, we're mono-focused on how do we get out of this or how do we get after that. And we have this amnesia, and we've forgotten how desperate we were and what it was like to hear Jesus say, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. And we just ran to that. And then life starts to happen. And we start forgetting. And we start getting distracted. We've got to stay mindful of our own salvation. We have to be, we have to remember it. And the only way I know to do that in in the amount of time I can say it to you is, Regular confession, regular confession. God, forgive me for these things, knowing that you are forgiven, right? And regular reading of God's word. Those two things will keep you dialed in. The last reason I wanna share with you for why we do not tell people about Jesus and share the gospel, is is a complete disconnect and disbelief about the reality of Hell. Jesus talked about hell a lot. Hell is real. And because we don't think about it much, because we're not aware of it, because we might not even believe it exists, or it's not as bad as it sounds, but what we have to understand is for every person who does not put their faith and trust in Christ, they will spend eternity separated from God in hell in torment. I mean, how can we not tell people about that, knowing what we know? I mean, love demands that. It is the greatest expression of love that we could ever show to anyone is to share with them the gospel and praying in hopes that they will receive it, put their trust and faith in it, and forever eternally be with God. I mean, how can we not do that? How can we pass anybody... How can we not have any relationship in our lives that we haven't started that conversation? Remember the guardrails. The guardrails. This is hard stuff, but remember the guardrails. The cost that Jesus speaks of, it is worth it, my friends. Any Christ follower would tell you, they would tell you about the joy they have. They cannot explain because the circumstances don't seem to indicate that they should be joyful, but they are. The peace they have, the the meaning, they know what life's about and they understand it. That the purpose, they know their purpose in life, these are the things that come when we follow Jesus. So the cost is infinitely worth it, especially when you consider that we will spend eternity with God. Not floating around abstractly in the clouds somewhere. But when Jesus comes back in order for God to be captain, king, and ruler of all, he takes back his creation and that is the earth. And all that is wrong with the earth is made right. And we are in our glorified bodies, in our glorified state. We live again on the earth without sin, without disease, without sadness. That is what's in front of us. That's the hope that we have, the living hope because of Christ's resurrection. That's why he had to be raised bodily so that we would be raised because who you are and who I am, we're not just spirit. We're body and spirit. And that's what awaits us for eternity. So the cost we bear now, which can be very hard, is nothing when you compare it to that. So count the cost. This week, my challenge, and I want to take just a few moments right now. I suspect that there are people in this room who need to repent for ignoring the command to share the gospel. For, for whatever reason, staying in the guardrails, my hope is that the Spirit has been disciplining you to a degree and creating some godly sorrow, not guilt, not shame, but godly sorrow. And, and you need to deal with that. And and I'm just going to challenge you here in the next few moments, but also this week is to deal with, just be real and say, you know, I haven't done that. I I have ignored that. I have like tried to make him want to look at everything else I've done, but not this. I've had excuses. Yeah, it's not my gift. Um, I don't have time. Yeah, I've tried all that. Repent from that. I'm going to take a moment to do that. Secondly, is to come back next week as we talk about the How? How do we talk to people about the gospel? And then thirdly and lastly is to mark your calendars for the training we're going to have. The 27th, or excuse me, the the 22nd and the 29th. We're going to have training helping you share your faith. So put that on the calendar. Sign up for that. But what I want to do right now is I want to just have some really sacred, very quiet time between you and God. You can stay in your seats if you want to deal with this. You can come down front right here, but let's just take some time right now and let's just get real with God and real with ourselves. Let me pray us into that and then let God have his way. Father, thank you for the guardrails that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But God, also you love us as sons and daughters and you will discipline us out of love. And I pray between those two guardrails, Lord God, that you would do your work. And we will be open to it right now. Father, I pray for the people in here who are not followers of Jesus, to those who are tuned in that are not followers of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would impress upon them your incredible love for them. And at the invitation to come to Jesus, no matter where they think they are or how far away they feel they are, God, you are right there and Jesus' is, his invitation is right there. May they receive it this morning. And we give you this time of... Reflection and response in Christ's name, amen.